you want to protect your family, but you don't know where to start. What happens if something happens to you? What if I told you, you can transfer some of that risk? What if there was a way you would be able to protect your family and still live the retirement that you dreamed of? Well, our next guest is going to help us explore some of those possibilities. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this one. Today's scripture is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I chose this verse because our next guest is also a financial advisor and podcast host. On our show, we strive to bring the best financial information from all over the world to your listening ears. The scripture states that it is only under the multitude of counselors that we receive safety. And when there is no counsel, the people fall. Both me and today's guests seek to be that counsel for the people. But it's only when you combine the information from many counselors that your plans for financial success will be safe, according to the scriptures. We'll be talking about buying back debt, self-banking, tax reduction strategies, creative real estate funding solutions, and other ways to protect your family. Well, let's go into prayer and start today's episode. Heavenly Father, please guide this episode with your spirit as we exchange valuable information that our listeners will cherish. May you touch our guest today, Lord, that he is able to bring a word of prosperity, prudence, and persistence when it comes to managing our finances. Together, we are stronger, Lord. It is said that if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, take a team. And me and the next guest are partnering today on the same team, joining forces to educate the masses on this concept we call finances. At the same time, praising your name and giving you all the glory. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is a man on a mission to help you think differently about your money your economy, and your future. After graduating with six figures of student debt loan and discovering a way to turn his debt into real wealth as he watched everybody lose their retirement savings and home equity in 2008, he knew that he needed to find a more predictable way to meet his financial objectives and those of his clients. As a three-time number one best-selling author, certified financial planner, and the owner of Lake Grove Financial Services, a financial firm out of Chicago, Illinois, host of Not Your Average Financial Podcast host, where he shares some of his strategies for working with real estate, paying for college without going broke, and creating an income in retirement you will not outlive. Please, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause to Mark Willis. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, AB, thank you. That was a great introduction. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show as a guest. A financial advisor say the darndest things. Can you start by telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. And I got to love the title of your podcast, too. I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, the honest truth is my, my background has little to anything to do with money, uh, except that I was falling away from it. <laughs> and I actually went to college with a higher net worth than I left by a long shot, <laughs> like most kids do. Right. Um, 
I went to graduate school too, and we got our degrees there. My wife and I met. And so we graduate from our private school. It was a Christian college. I got my seminary degree there, master's of divinity. And we graduated thinking we'd move to Chicago to help out with the ministry up here uh, and didn't really know what the day job was going to be. I knew that I loved the Lord. I knew that I wanted to serve him in ministry, but I didn't know what the day job was going to be. And I never really felt called to the to the pulpit necessarily or whatever. So I knew I had to find some kind of job. And again, not knowing where of what high, high nor low of money, uh, we had stumbled into about $120,000 of student loan debt. Wow. And this was in 2008. So fast forward in today's dollars, that'd be almost a quarter million dollars of debt. And we had no, we had no like plan to pay it off. Even worse than the debt, I think, was just there was no plan. Mm. And we had no jobs, really to speak of. We had a little bit of uh, money we were raising and a little bit of side jobs income, but we just didn't clearly have a plan. So for us, it was kind of sink or swim. This funny phenomenon, the banks want to get paid back. They don't just lend money. They want it back. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so with interest. Had, yeah, with man, interest. that's right. So we had a long journey and I'm telling you, we didn't have the first inkling. My wife had a lot more than I did, but we were rough and tumble when it came to getting our money straight. In fact, um, my wife and I are the kind of folks where we had to go to a public place to do our budget meetings in case there needed to be a witness. Uh, <laughs> right. Anything went sideways, you know, right. so we would go for ice cream because there was happiness and sugar in that ice cream and it would force us to talk money. And if anything, I guess you could say we're plotters. We are plotting. We're going to do it month after month and fail about eight times before we get it. And budgeting, that was sort of how it worked for us was just grab the ice cream, do it in a public place if you have to. <laughs> but just keep at it. Don't stop. Whatever you do, when you fall down, you get back up again. That's sort of where it began for us. Well, that's, that's beautiful. I, I think a lot of our listeners have the same type of story, but they fall, but they're not ready to get back up. They think that since they fell, that the gurus that are talking and even people like us, that we've never fallen. So I love that you're vulnerable and sharing your story because I don't think fairy tales are healthy for grown adults. And what I mean by that is that this story of everything is going to be perfect the whole way through is not good for practicability purposes, right? We are going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. You've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. But the point is we're continuously moving with the Lord and making sure that our steps are solid that we're making. One thing I also like about your story is that you're partnering with somebody. You know, some people say, I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody. You don't. You don't need anybody, but it sure is helpful. It makes the trip a lot easier. People that you can relate to that's on your same level. So with that said, where was that switch from being that college student, six figures in debt, you know, plodding along, trying to pay it off? What told you, okay, I need to get into finances? Well, it was our own personal experience with money. I realized how ignorant I was. It's amazing. You can go through an undergrad in youth ministry and get a master's of divinity even this is the degree you're supposed to be able to run a huge congregation, let's say. And yet I was never really taught and I never really looked into myself. I take responsibility for it. I never really looked into how to manage money on a personal level. Maybe I could reconcile my transactions on a bank statement if you really forced me to, but <laughs> I didn't know what to do. The faintest idea about how to do a church budget uh, or even a family budget. Uh, so this thing about money really compelled me again, as I graduated 
I knew a lot about God. I knew, or, you know, about the Bible, let's say True. I knew a lot about scripture, whatever, but how much did I really understand about my, my personal belief or theology about money? Because you know this, I'm sure it be that after the kingdom of God, money is the most talked about topic from our Lord Jesus. Yes. Like he's talking about money and apparently that matters. In <laughs> fact, um, money is this interesting phenomenon uh, that, and, and again, I don't want to get too deep into the scuba gear yet, unless you want to, but um, yeah, let's grab the scuba gear if you want to no. go deep. But um, it's like money is not important. And as, as uh, scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Yes. But, but what's interesting is I think that's the case because if we stop with money and that's where we love, then we forget that the money is there for the rest of everything that truly is important. Yes. Why do we have money? It's so that it's the, so that that truly matters the, so that our child, our children, yeah. our spouse, our purpose in the world, our mission, our legacy, it all engages this thing called money, capital M. Yes. And if we stop with the love of money, we don't get to the love of everything else that life is all about and legacy and mission. And, and so much of our life is tied up with this thing called money, but I had no clue what it was. And I had no framework for my own theology or philosophy around money. And I didn't know that um, money would, could be such a revolutionary spiritual experience for myself, but also for a lot of my clients. So to answer your question, we started just, I grabbed a job with a CPA and just trying to help do some tax returns for her. I knew, I knew a little bit about money. I guess you could say my favorite book of the Bible was the book of numbers. Uh, that's a dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> right, about right. That. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, I'm a dad of four. So I got it. Right on. Yeah. Right on. So anyway, I was a little bit, I could, I could add two and two together. So they put me in front of a tax return, helped her out mainly just to help her do her thing. But it was in 2008 and guess what was going on in the financial world in 2008 and nine and 10. Yeah. I was having, I was getting to listen to those calls where the CPA, who was a nationally recognized, very competent person, but she was making those calls that we all as financial advisors dread to make, which is, I'm sorry, Mr. Client, but I just lost you a third of your life savings. Right. You're 63 years old. Whoops. Whoops. Right. What? Right. <laughs> and to me, that was, a, that was like being dropped into the front lines of a war that I didn't sign up for. Um, and I knew I didn't want anything to do with that. So I had to figure out, do I just leave this industry? Or do I find some alternative strategies that, you know, ensure that I never had to make that call? And so I stuck with it, obviously. And so we started our, our own financial firm, Lake Growth Financial Services. We started the podcast, Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And we try to be not your average financial planner for these reasons. And we take a contrarian approach. We look at strategies that are not typical uh, to most financial gurus, as you say, financial gurus. Okay. In fact, I want my clients... And for each listening person here today to consider yourself your own money guru, because everyone else is going to ultimately let you down. Yes. You know, everybody else is a fallible, fallible human being who will let you down or take your money and run. And so if you can become your own money guru and realize that there's no wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Yes. We don't know the future. AB, I don't know about you, man, but I don't, I didn't get my crystal ball or I didn't get the umum and thumum. I was you supposed know, to, to me. I was supposed to, that, that's what they told me when I came in that, right. I, that once I became, you know, financial that's advisor, right. I'd be able to see the future. And, um, I didn't so get far, mine not, yet. Not yet. Yeah. No. Mine's lost in the mail with Amazon stuff. Yeah. So me, yeah. me neither, but anyway, that's, that's kind of my, 
my prerogative, I guess. I, I love to see people take back control of yes. their financial future. When you own your financial future before you even start, it's a very empowering feeling. Uh, and too many people, it's a hope and prayer strategy. Yes. And, you know, I believe in the power of not prayer. I believe in the God that answers prayer. Yes. But I don't think our financial lives have to be built on things that we have no control over. Where is that written? You know, where is it written? Yeah, I think a lot of people, they use that as an excuse not to deal with in reality. Yeah, they use faith and they, faith is for things that we cannot see and control. Faith is not for things that we can control. There you go, man. Yeah, so, that's right. Preach it. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah, if you can see your dirty room, you're not just going to pray that you know have faith that it's going to get clean. You have the power to to you make. You do that have choice. four kids. I can yeah. tell. <laughs> right? So for me, and you touched on a lot of points, but I definitely want my and my listeners to know this as well. At your firm, you do have a service that helps people give their money to to charities and do exactly what we talked about transfer their good works to other people. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, sure. Yeah. And I, I loved how you brought up money here and I'll just consolidate again, what you've been reiterate and encourage people to just listen to what AB just said, because it's so true when you're a jerk and you have a ton of money, you're just going to be a bigger jerk. When you're a, a kind, thoughtful, Christ-centered person, you're going to transform the world the money is going to go to somebody's pocket. It might as well go to the people who have the fruits of the spirit because it's going to transform the world into a much better place, right? So yes. I cheer on anybody who starts a business or who accumulates. Now, here's my, here's my thought here. I just read a book called Die With Zero. Mm. Die With Zero. And that's a very, uh, and it's, it's written by a commodities trader who was very successful uh, for many years. Um, but, but anyway, he brings up this idea that at some point, your net worth should start to come down in the future. Why is that? Well, maybe, maybe you don't want to necessarily die and bounce the last check you write. But the idea is to intentionally give what you have, whether it's on this side of the grass or on the other side of the grass, to give away what you're not going to spend. And that can be given to your children. That can be given to your spouse, whatever. It can be given to the causes and missions and ministries and charities that you care about the most. To reflect your mission uh, should be one of your aims in life to reflect the mission of the kind of world you want to create in the world. Like the image of God created in the midst of people reflected by the church and the people who are trying to fill out his, his life and his mission through Jesus. Right. Right. right? So, so um, if you simply just by default pass away, we're all going to graduate at some point, some point. And if, if you just default, give it all to your kids, what's actually going to happen there? Well, you lived and worked and slaved away at your job for months, years, for no pay. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about that for a minute, right? Like you lived for years and didn't get to enjoy or experience the gift of giving. Uh, and you didn't get the country club. You didn't get the, the nice car. You didn't get to charity. You give to the charity you care about. And yet when you let, leave that money without thinking about it to your children, what are they going to do with it? They're going to get the country club. They're going to get the nice yes. car. They're going to give to their charities. So, you know, hopefully they give to their charities. So for years and years, if you just simply accumulate and then by default, leave it to your kids, you've robbed them of two things. One, the, the effort and struggle and energy to earn it themselves. And two, you've robbed them of the ability to enjoy the principles that came with what you had to have to earn that money in the first place. Right. 
to earn that money, you're simply receiving a, a little slip that says, well done from your fellow man. You know, money is essentially a well done slip. You know, I, I exchange goods for services all the time at the grocery store. Yes. And I exchange that green stuff for a, a bag of apples because I want that apple more than I want that green stuff in yes. my pocket. And if I earn some money and accumulate wealth, whatever, that's a sign that you've done something to serve your fellow man. And that means you've got principles. And if, 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 it, if you're not a crook, right? Uh, I don't believe as a crook, you're going to end up keeping that money for very long, no, personally. No. Um, read Proverbs for more on that, right? But if you, if you simply just give that money to your kids, just because you happen to pass away someday, and you didn't give them the principles and the tactics and the heart that comes with that money, the money that you had to earn came with that heart principle and everything, to not give it to your kids, I think is a problem. Why? I think we spend too much time preparing the money for the people and we have almost no attention to how we're going to create and prepare the people for the money. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you hit it right on the nail. You know, I, I wrote a blog called um, Pass It On Your Family Values. It is more than just right. monetary. It's non-monetary. Um, there's a quote that goes, legacy is not something you leave for people. Legacy is something you leave in people. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, I and I think a lot of people miss that. That aspect of it is that how you saved how you work, that needs to be a discussion before you talk about how much. Mm -hmm. And the stewards, who's going to take over after you? Who is going to replace you? You need to vet these people before you just sign over, you know, the benefit, you sign the beneficiary slip, right? You give them power of attorney, you give them executorship powers. Before you do all that, you need to vet them just as if you were handing someone $500,000 or a million dollars. If I gave you a million dollars cash and said, give it to the next person you think deserves it, would you just put your child's name on there? Or would you interview them? Would you talk about where you've been, how you've earned it, what you would like them to see them do with it? And yep. God should pull you away too soon. So, so Mark, you've hit on some, some great points. And I kind of want to move forward just a little bit. So obviously, you are a successful financial advisor. You have a podcast. And I believe you're on episode 240, correct me if I'm wrong, which you host with Holly Bob. Now, can you tell us more about the podcast? Because your diagrams are beautiful, especially from a financial perspective. And I love how you provide visuals for the things you discuss on the show. So can you tell us about that journey and the story behind creating the podcast and getting it up to where it is today? Well, um, you might know this, but it's an incredible time to be alive. Yes. And it's an incredible time to run a business uh, based on knowledge and invisible things like stocks, bonds, insurance, these are all invisible necessarily just because, you know, we're living in this world of money and finance and services and so forth. And so to prepare something that I can give to my clients uh, every week, I try to create the podcast to be at a certain place where every possible client and existing client can come. And I want to deliver them something so valuable that it feels like they paid $10,000 a week to hear it. Wow. And if I can do that on a consistent basis, trust is built. And more importantly, I get to be lazy. <laughs> and here's why. Because <laughs> as soon as I answered the question about, you know, how uh, this particular financial strategy has helped a few of my clients, um, then I get to point to that episode and say, hey, go listen to that one. 
when the 17 other people ask me the same question True. over the next three months. True. So <laughs> it's a, it's my own secret way of being lazy, but it's also a, a, a reminder to have the heart of a teacher as I go through life. Uh, I think that's the right way to go. It's the heart of a servant to, to be able to share what we've learned. One blind beggar sharing the br bread with somebody else. Um, you know, whatever we found, we try to share it with somebody else. And that's sort of how I view the podcast. You know, I think it's, you bring up a great point. For me, the podcast is an opportunity to, as you said, address an issue that 17 other people or 20 other people have the same question. You're consistent. You don't have to do it multiple times. I came from a, a large broker dealer, one of the biggest ones in the world. And the problem I ran into was that whenever there was a financial issue or there was a financial concern, my phone would ring off the hook. And I would be on the phone for 20, 30 minutes. And when I hang up, I had to be on the phone for another 20, 30 minutes. And I hung up, I had another 20, 30 minutes. And I had two phone calls I had to return because while I was on the phone call, two more people called. So I spent a majority of my day repeating some of the same verbiage and some, answering some of the same questions because obviously we're all in the same market. With a podcast, I'm able to address it. I'm able to send it out. And also they get daily emails from me. So the distance between when things happen and when they hear from me is shortened. No longer is it after quarterly reviews or after annual reviews, they get me as soon as possible. And I think that is beautiful because they build a relationship with you. So your clients really know Mark. So even if they hear Elijah One Ridgeway on financial advisors say the darndest things, Mark is their guy. You know, they're going to listen to, to me and, and take some of my consideration, but also they know Mark has their best interests in mind. Same thing with my listeners. I encourage them to go listen to Mark because Mark has some very valuable information that can really help you grow and maybe something that I'm not as strong in. And I'm humble enough to say that. There are some aspects of his planning and what he covers that I don't. So if you're listening to this right now, go over there to Mark's podcast. I want you to subscribe. You know, this is, a, this is something for Mark here, but I want you to go over there and listen to him because if you get any value out of this podcast right now, I want you to get more because it doesn't take away from me. I think as a financial services, it's like a pie. When the pie gets bigger, everybody's slice gets larger. Mm -hmm. you're, not right. taking, you're not taking away from me because you went to go see Mark, okay? That's right. That's right. So, I, I fully back that and agree. And while we're at it, guys, go ahead and give uh, AB a five-star review uh, for, the same, <laughs> for the same reason. He does a great job putting a ton of effort into his show. So if you haven't already subscribed, subscribe, because you know it's true. It, I think we, again, we live in wonderful, amazing times. If the Apostle Paul were alive today, I bet you he'd have a podcast. What do you think? Right. I think so too. So with that said, let's talk about protection. So protection seems to be the driving force or the driving theme for your services and the backbone of your key service offerings. Um, you have a service called Bank on Yourself. Can you tell us more about the services and how that works? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a counterintuitive strategy and it, it ties into my story a bit. So again, we had $120,000 of student loan debt. And I was just painted off with cash, just trying to throw anything we could at it, uh, doing the debt snowball method, if you will. And that was fine. We were com coming down the mountain, so to speak, of all that debt. Uh, and I kept falling back further into debt as I would have emergencies because we only had a small slice of cash in the bank. And again, no real awareness or a financial plan. And maybe most importantly, we hadn't started saving or investing um, and these were our crucial middle 20s, right? We were in our mid 20s right. at the time. Right. And you know, this compound growth is more powerful the sooner you start with it, anything uh, with financial planning. And you probably get this question a lot, AB. I know I do. Hey, Mark, 
should I pay off my debt and then save mm -hmm. for my future? Or do I start saving right now and just stay in debt? Right. And that was the conundrum I was dealing with myself. Because I knew, I knew every dollar I'd put into that hole called Sally Mae or you know student loans, XYZ, it was a dollar I'd never see for me ever again. And also I'd never see what it could earn for me ever again. That was devastating to me. Mm. Uh, and I sat down and did the math on it. Even though we had 120 grand of student loan debt, if we had somehow been able to save that money that we were throwing toward our debt, we'd have almost a million bucks by the time we retired wow. of just the money that we were throwing toward our debt. That's a 10X missed opportunity, opportunity cost, right? That's the technical right. verbiage there. True. So anyway, I stumbled across this strategy. It was a professor from my seminary. Actually, he brought it to me uh, and he just said, hey, Mark, you need to know about this. You need to at least know that it's out there. And he also said to me, very importantly, he said, Mark, is it possible that Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? Mm. And that was like conviction, right? Mm -hmm, right? So I knew that I had not been thinking critically about the gurus on the radio when he asked me that question, because instantly I said, well, of course he can't be wrong. He wrote the fifth gospel. Right. right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I had to come to terms with the fact that no, he is a fallible human being. He can also have assumptions from the eighties and nineties and so forth. So anyway, I, I got into what is bank on yourself. It turns out of all things, it's a dividend paying whole life insurance contract, but it's not like the kind Dave Ramsey talks about mm -hmm. that I was so convinced was always evil and wrong and whatever. Right. As it happens, whole life insurance is over 200 years old in this country. It grows on a guaranteed basis, meaning it grows every single year, regardless of what the market is doing, which I was watching 2008 happen right before my eyes. Okay. So I was loving the idea of a guaranteed preset interest earned every single year, no matter what the market does. I also love that I could access that money for any reason, anytime, any age. I didn't have to wait till I was 59 and a half on a given Tuesday or something. Right. I could get that money out anytime I want for any reason, could pay off my debts with that money, send my kid to college with that money, buy a car, invest in my business, invest in the stock market with that money. And if I did, there'd be no taxes on the cash that I pulled out. And if I borrow against the policy, which is my favorite thing to do with the policy, it will continue to earn interest as if I hadn't touched the money. And to me, that was the jaw dropper. Right. Because for me, I had always been told that either you can save money or you can spend it. Um, and when you save money, you earn interest. And when you spend it, it's gone. But when I found out that you could buy a car for 30 grand and your policy is still earning interest as if there was 30 grand in the policy, I knew I had my money doing two things at once. And for me, AB, that was the way I got out of the rest of my student loan debt. I said, forget about snowball. For me, that was my own method, right? For myself, not saying it's good for everybody, but I took that money that I was overpaying on my student loans, threw it into my policies, overfunded them, cut the commissions, cut the death benefit, try to get it as tight as possible, flooded that, that thing with cash. And then as my debt came down, my cash value was building up in my policies. I just borrow against my policy and wipe out my debts one after the other, one after the other. We actually trademarked this, this concept. It's known as the debt snowbank method. Mm. The debt snowbank method, get it? Right. So we, we like that strategy and it's built on something called bank on yourself type whole life policies. So that's what is bank on yourself. Well, that's very powerful. And just to, to let everybody know that, you know, we are talking about a specific product, but we aren't making the recommendation. That's we right. have 
we have disclosures at the end of the, the podcast. So if you are uh, with compliance, please listen to the end. <laughs> but, yes. but what point I do want to make is that Mark is giving you a strategy that maybe you are not familiar with. And there's no such thing. Let's put it this way. There's a reason why this product exists because for certain individuals, it works. So for everybody who's out there who says, well, insurance is evil and you know annuities are evil. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but when I have a 75-year-old um, widow in my office and she just needs a 5% return, she can get a fixed annuity. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put her in the market because she's going to be overexposed. If we put her in bonds that are something a little bit more conservative, look what happens to the bond market when inflation starts going up. All these things are occurring and it, they need to be available for certain people. Now, Mark is giving you a strategy that you need to consider. So if you're a financial advisor out there, or if you have a financial advisor, I think you need to learn a little bit more about this program and see if you can either, one, bring it to your financial advisor. But one of my recommendations is two, schedule some time with Mark to learn some more because there's going to be some variables in your own life that you're going to need to consider to see if this is right for you. So we'll do all that, but we, we do need to take a break, Mark. You know, I do want to continue this conversation. So we'll be right back with more with Mark Willis of Lake Grove Financial, right after a brief message from our sponsor, AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, providing people of faith investment advice from a biblical perspective. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with Mark Willis of Lake Grove Financial, where they do estate planning, business financing and business succession planning, education and retirement solutions. We talked about the finance side, and I want to talk about the faith side a little bit. So Mark, can you share with us how your relationship with God has helped you grow your business? Well, that's a, that's a huge question. Uh, I mean, without a relationship with God, I feel like you'd be unmoored. You'd be yes. un, unable to really know if it's just luck, chance, your own free, you know, free will, power within yourself. It's a desperately lonely feeling to try to do anything, much less start a business without right. you know, connection to your creator. Uh, I, I had a, um, a guy tell me the other day, trying to remember, I think it was GK Chesterson who originally gave me this quote, but uh, I heard it from a friend. He said, uh, Christianity has not been tried and found lacking. It's been found difficult and left untried. Mm. And I think that's true with businesses. And I think that's true with faith in your business. We typically will find it difficult to converge our faith and our finances or our faith and our business and we'll just say, well, I'll set my faith over here for Sunday morning. Right. And then I'll set my business life over here and I'll, I'll take my business hat off and put on my family hat when I get across the threshold of my door every day. And we live these segmented lives, which I think causes stress, which yes. causes disease in the body, which causes so many things, right? So Christianity has not been tried and found lacking. It's been found difficult and left untried. Yeah. I want not just um, balance in my life. I want abundance in all areas of my life, my business, my social life, my family life, my spiritual life. Abundance is, in my opinion, the picture of the life that God is calling us to, whether it's on this side of the grass or the other side, you know, on this side of heaven or the other side with, with him and glory. But I think the, the key piece to this is just integration 
of your principles and knowing who you are and whose you are so that when it's time to make that tough call with your client, you don't shrink back, but you march ahead and you give it a go and you try to treat them the way you'd want your family to be treated uh, and in the way that you know Christ calls us to live. So it's, it's an incredible journey when you can integrate your whole self into your whole life. Yeah. So, so let's talk about integrating, you know, your faith and your finances. So when it comes to money in the Bible, many have different perspectives and rightfully so. What is your perspective about money, its uses and how we can do it for good? So we talked about that earlier in the episode. I want to translate that more into the business side. So we talked about it from the personal side, but I want to move over to the business side. So when you're handling business, right, exchanging services for, for money, what uses does money play? You know, how do you use it for good in your own business? Well, and for so many people I meet over the phone or over Zoom, one-on-one advisory meetings as a certified financial planner, the biggest risks I see with business, business owners and, and my own business too, is just access to liquid contingency capital, meaning money, getting mm-hmm. access to money. Uh, and you know, I know most business owners know that cash access to cash is like oxygen. Yes. Uh, I'll meet a business owner. He's, you know, there's a guy up here in Chicagoland, um, runs a very successful business, seven figures, has a couple of employees every year. He's turning in seven figures a year, getting close to eight figures a year, but he is paying out the nose in high interest business debt. We're talking 30% interest to these loan sharks. I won't name any names, but it, it rhymes with Babbage. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and point is, point is businesses are regularly serving the interest of the banks. Right. In fact, uh, according to the U S commerce bureau, a third of the revenue of most businesses, majority of businesses, one third of their revenue goes to service the debt for that business. That means we're not truly in business for ourselves until after that debt is paid. And after taxes are done. So we're not actually in business for ourselves until maybe half the week is over for right. most businesses in this country. So I would contend that more important than the rate of return you got in your 401k last year or your IRA last year, more important than your brokerage account returns is who's in control of the banking function in your life. And banking goes way back. There's a book by David Graeber. It's called Debt, the First 5,000 Years mm. of Human History. And I'm reading through the archaeological study Bible right now, personally, and it's just incredible to see how money uh, and debt, specifically debts, uh, engage the the lives of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt and and the early tribes and right through Jesus's day, right, and into the early church. And so, anyway, long long answer to your question, but I would say whoever is sitting behind the banker's desk in your life is going to win the financial game, both in your personal life and in your business life. Everything else is a secondary conversation in my personal opinion. I'd say the banking function is the hinge on your financial life. Everything else is helpful, but it's who controls the banking function is who's going to control the environment in which everything else in your financial life lives. I'm off my soapbox, but what are your thoughts on that? No, no, I I think that's perfect, right? Because God even instructs that, you know, to to my people charge no interest, Mm -hmm. right? And don't falsely accuse them, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And, And I agree, you know, I think, when we develop strategies for our clients to reduce their debt so they're not slaves to the lender, yeah. um, which goes against biblical principles as well, that we just continue to build them up into the point where their businesses doesn't fail. Like you said, businesses fail because of lack of cash flow. 
right? People are overextending themselves. They're like, oh, well, my business is doing well. Let me go buy some more products or, oh, I sold, you know, 10 copies. Let me go buy, you know, a hundred more. So, you know, I can have a large inventory and that doesn't work that way, right? Sometimes we're overextending ourselves. And once again, we just fall victim to that kind of like success measure. Okay. I have to have this much money or I need to be this successful. So perfect, Mark. I have a little surprise for you. Okay. We're going to make a little shift. If my listeners have been keeping up with the show, they know what time it is. It's time for 10 for 10. Not to be confused with 30 for 30, because I don't want to get sued by ESPN. <laughs> In this game, I'm going to ask you 10 questions, and you get 10 seconds to answer them. Sounds fair? And, and we've clarified before we hit record that it's 10 seconds per question, right? So it's ten. not like I'm doing 10 <laughs> seconds for all. Okay, all right, just checking. Just checking. Just, <laughs> right. No, I'm right. good for it, man. Let's do this thing. All right, question number one. Lake Growth is the name of your company, but what was your second choice? <laughs> I really had to think back on this. Uh, I'm going to joke and say river shrinking. That didn't make sense. So <laughs> Lake Growth made the best sense out there. I think Willis Wealth Management was up there somewhere, but uh, we went with Lake Growth just in case. Number two, how bad is it if someone doesn't pay off their credit card every month? Mm, well, not bad if it's a zero interest credit card. How about that? Number three, how much debt is too much debt? Uh, well, when you can't service the interest, uh, that's the problem. I'd say the bigger problem is who's the one who owns the debt. If you own it, no big deal. Number four, where can someone connect with you and you can't say your website? <laughs> uh, well, hmm. you know, guys, you can give me a call. 1-800-962-9141. All right. Or just use the bat signal and AB will answer the phone. That's good. One of the best answers I've heard so far. So sorry about everybody. I came off a little bit of character. That was actually pretty funny. Number five, what would be one thing you would change if you can go back in time before starting your firm? Okay, 10 seconds. It's counting down. Um, I'd say, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably look carefully at, again, the, the student loan. Ah, eh. oh, bummer. So, so, no sorry. No sorry. So, all right. Love it. Number six, what is the greatest lesson God has taught you about money? Oh, yeah, that it just makes you more of who you already are. So be, be the best person you can be first with or without money. Number seven, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? Mm. Retire all the debts. And yeah, man, that's, an, that's a great question. I'll just say retire all the debts. All You're right. of Jubilee. <laughs> I've, I'll take that answer. I'll take, you did give an answer, so I'll take it. Number eight, what percentage of income, roughly, should someone spend on entertainment? Five to 10% at the most. Nine, how do you cut your sandwiches, down the middle or diagonally? Oh, man. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, with my teeth, all the way through. <laughs> Number 10, what is your favorite Bible verse? And not Genesis 1-1, John 3-16, or John 11-35, Jesus wept. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, 1 Corinthians 14-26 says, when you gather together, each one of you bring a psalm, a scripture, a uh, word of interpretation. I love how everyone gets to participate in the first yeah. century. Congratulations, Mark. You are 9 out of 10, which is one of our <laughs> highest scores. So nobody has gotten 10 out of 10 yet, but you are up there. So congratulations on being a great participant. You did a great job. Great questions. Love it. Thank you. Well, before we go, we have a segment 
called Once in a Lifetime, where we give our guests a chance to say something that will change our listeners' lives forever. So Mark, if you were to give a piece of advice, and you've given a lot of great, valuable information, only a smidget of what's available on your own podcast, but if you're going to give our audience one piece of information, what would it be? Set a goal to make whatever it is, a million dollars, $10 million, set your goal, not for the money, but for what it will make of you to achieve it. That is for what awesome. it will make of you to achieve it. If you can remember that it's not the money, it's not even the goal, it's what it's going to make of you. That's what God's looking for. You know, it's just like David and Saul all over again. It's not so much the outside appearances, it's the heart that God looks for. That is perfect. Thank you for listening. And if you made it this far, Mark has actually a special gift he wants to share with you all. Well, guys, thank you. And thank you, AB. What a great episode. Great to grab the scuba gear and go a little deeper with you today in our faith as brothers in Christ. Yes. Uh, I'd say the, the one way you can maybe find more about this, if you'd like, is to go to our website. And that's notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting if you want to say hi. If you make sure to say AB sent you, then I'll make sure AB knows about everything. So you guys, you know, can continue your work and relationship with him. Uh, but I'd love and be honored to send a special report uh, and a, a strategy where we've been able to double the charitable giving that any person does and works with for the same amount of money, doubling the impact. It's been a tremendous strategy for us and our team. So if you go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com, click on request a meeting, we can start that conversation. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience with our audience. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've been blessed. Don't worry. This may not be the last time that you hear from Mark. As many of our listeners know that we are planning to have an end of the year reunion for all of our guests and have a special roundtable discussion. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure that you send us an email at info at abrwealthmanagement.com and vote for your favorite guest. All links discussed will be in the description below. So. We pray you continue to pursue your journey of being rich and righteous. Mm -hmm.